My message today is entitled, The Needed Ingredients. Memorial Day honors people who have died while serving in the United States military. Originally, it was known as Decoration Day, and it began during the Civil War when citizens placed flowers on the graves of those who had been killed in battle. After World War I, it came to be observed in honor of those, all those who died in all of U.S. wars, and its name was changed to Memorial Day. It is often marked with parades, as you know, and family gatherings, ceremonies at memorial sites and cemeteries. Veterans Day is observed each year on November 11th. The holiday celebrates everyone who has served in the U.S. military, while Memorial Day is dedicated to military personnel who died while in service. John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. The point of emphasis for this verse is that Jesus willingly laid down his life for us. It speaks of sacrifice, honor, devotion, and love. And these are the same ideals that are brought to mind on Memorial Day observances. To Americans, this solemn day continues to be honored, for in it we are once again humbled as we seek to regain our bearings as a nation. The United States of America was founded on Judeo-Christian principles and biblical truth, which have been preserved by devotion and a willing submission to Jesus Christ and to our Creator and Sustainer the Lord God Almighty. On Memorial Day, we are reminded not just of life and death, but we come to understand sacrifice and the reasons why honored military men and women have been willing to face great conflict and give all, including their very lives, so that the rest of us can continue onward and live in freedom. In the words of Abraham Lincoln at Gettysburg in 1863, we must never forget what they did. It is for us the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work, which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to the cause for which they here gave the last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. Thus, the question today is, how do we live these words of devotion first and foremost, to God, and then to the cause for which great sacrifices have been made. How do we regain our bearings, putting others above self, and continue to carry the torch of freedom with great resolve? How do we truly become united under the cross and willing to sacrifice all for the one who sacrificed his very life for our eternal freedom? First of all, we need to know the necessity of trials and challenges. They are not something to run from, avoid, or deny. 
Trials and challenges are presented to us as opportunities to change situations and to gain qualities that are available in no other way. The problem with too many people today is that they resist challenge. They fail to confront problems and they fear difficult situations. We see the exasperation of this problem in some cultural changes in parenting today. I would bet you that many of you are aware of the phrase helicopter parent. Have you heard of that before? A helicopter parent is one who always hovers over their child, and as a consequence, they never build trust in their son or daughter to handle life's challenges, not letting them fall, not letting them fail, not letting them face difficult situations because they fear it might bruise their ego. But in some circles today, this paradigm has shifted and has become more extreme. It's no longer about the helicopter parent. It's now involved into the lawnmower parent who mows down any type of difficulty or tribulation or trial in a child's life so that their self-esteem is not hurt and their security never feels threatened. As a result, children are robbed of valuable life experiences. Teach them how to manage conflict and take personal responsibility and solve problems. This reckless and out-of-balance parenting style paralyzes their child's ability to face adversity as they grow. How many know there's adversity in life? It also breeds an attitude of entitlement when kids turn into teenagers and young adults who expect only good things to happen to them. Likewise, they expect someone else will bail them out of every difficulty and that their actions have no real consequences because they've always been rescued from their own natural consequences. And it doesn't take much to connect the dots to see that this will lead eventually and ultimately to less and less people willing to follow Jesus, willing to sacrifice their will to follow His will, willing to face difficult challenges so they can rest alone on their faith in God. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Then Jesus said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You see, when you feel titled, entitled, you have no need for Jesus. And when you run from or avoid any challenge, you refuse to take up your own cross. And when you become afraid of losing any part of who you are, there's no chance that you will sacrifice your will or your agenda or your life in the hopes of gaining eternity with Jesus. As a result, we have a growing number of people that do not know how to handle basic problems and basic challenges in life. Do you know what I'm talking about? For too many people these days, when a trial or difficulty begins, the actual problem is not the problem, but their reaction to it, their inaction, or their lack of ability to handle the problem becomes the problem. They reject challenges because they believe that they are entitled to a virtually stress-free life. Seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Yet, here's the thing. 
God teaches us the exact opposite way, the exact opposite perspective, and the healthiest way to respond to adversity. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, there is great conflict at every turn in life. But if our priorities are in the right place, we have peace with God through Christ Jesus. Verse 2. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations. No, that is not a misprint. We glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Here we see the needed ingredient that is missing in so many people's attempt at life nowadays. By God's infinite wisdom, He allows us to go through tribulation, to experience adversity, and He even ordains certain trials in our life so that we can develop perseverance. Without perseverance, people lack commitment and are more apt to quit when the going gets rough. We see it in the divorce rate, both in the church and in the world. We see it in the workforce, as our country country recently went through what became known as the Great Resignation, as millions of people quit and walked off their jobs looking for greener pastures somewhere else. As far as I know, they're still looking. As a result, stores and companies have shut down and are continuing to shut down, chopping business hours and altering or deleting their services because they can't find workers. We see a lack of commitment in sports as well. Those of you that know about the transfer portal. The transfer portal may have a fancy name, but in most cases, someone who originally committed to play ball at one college did not like the adversity they were facing, and so they decommitted and is seeking to go somewhere else now. And this lack of perseverance has an even greater impact on those who once committed to following Jesus. People are leaving their faith, no longer attending church, and turning to the world to find fulfillment now. Here's the irony, though. The irony is that God is the one who most often allows adversity to increase one's faith and dependence on Him. But as more and more people buck adversity and blame others and rebuke challenges, perseverance becomes a lost quality these days. And in few times is it more apparent than on a day like today when we attempt to understand how brave men and brave women can willingly sacrifice their very lives fighting for what they believe in. It is only those who discount the need of tribulation in our lives and have never had to persevere under great trials who will not and simply cannot understand sacrifice and the honor that is due to those who gave their last full measure of devotion serving our country. Consequently, people who do not understand the honor of Memorial Day 
will also not truly understand the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that we might be free from the law of sin and death, that we might be redeemed by His blood for an eternity with our King. Perseverance is the needed ingredient today, and it only comes through tribulation and difficult times. Matthew 24, verses 12 and 13. As Jesus talks about what the signs are of the end times. He says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. One of the last signs of the end of the age is that the love of many will grow cold. It doesn't take a rocket science to see the beginning of those signs happening around us right now. The beginning effects are all around us today. There is so much hatred and name-calling and slandering and blame going around on all sides. There is so so little willingness to take personal responsibility and admit mistakes, to learn from challenges, and to just close our mouths and persevere. This is exactly what Jesus prophesied would happen almost 2,000 years ago, and it is unfolding before our very eyes. But he also said that the cure or the remedy would be those who endured or persevered to the end, for they would be saved. Saved from bitterness and negativity. Saved from emptiness and apathy. Saved from condemnation and eternal damnation. Indeed, perseverance is the needed ingredient for all of us. Think of a time when you completed a project at home, whether you consider yourself a handy man or woman or not. Or maybe you completed a project at work and it took a lot of effort. You worked through mistakes and you took a lot of time, but when you got done, you felt proud of yourself because you, did, you finished the project. You didn't quit. You persevered. When you look back on your marriage or your time raising your children, or a certain friendship or relationship in your life, you know the challenges that have come against it. You know how impossible it seemed at times. And yet you persevered with God's help and trusted Him through it all. This is the power of perseverance. You didn't quit. God remained faithful. That is exactly what He intends us to see and to acquire when we trust Him through adversity. How many know that Jesus didn't go to the cross? He went through the cross for the joy that was laid before Him and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. We don't go to adversity. We go through adversity with our Lord and Savior leading the way. Thus, with a godly perspective, we not only see that tribulation is necessary, but we actually glory in tribulation knowing what it produces in us. But the story doesn't end at perseverance alone. Romans 5, verse 4. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Perseverance produces character. How many know there's been a shortage of character in people these days? Why? Because there's been a shortage of people willing to trust God through tribulation and adversity. Character is forged in the field of disappointment 
and failure, when you resolutely choose to hitch your wagon to Jesus and never give up, if there's one quality that's missing in a growing amount of the population today, it's perseverance and character. We need character to know we're not always going to win. If we can't accept losing, if we can't accept defeat, if we can't accept that we have failed and we've missed the mark, as the Bible declares, then we, if we can't accept that we are in absolute need of Jesus, then we truly are not Christians. 2 Corinthians 12.9 And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, the only way that we can access the perfect strength of God is to admit that we failed, is to admit our own weakness. It's the only way. But not only that. Once we come to this realization like Paul, we are eager to boast in our infirmities, to boast in our weaknesses. Notice that it doesn't say that we boast in our strengths or in ourselves. We boast in what we can't do. How does that make sense? That's God living in us that does that. Because our flesh will always want us to boast in what we can do because of our pride. But we boast in what we can't do because Christ can do all things through us if we willingly submit to Him. Amen? But Paul doesn't stop there. He talks about taking pleasure in his limitations for Christ's sake. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is biblical truth, which is on the endangered list today, if you've checked. It is rarely seen because biblical character has only produced through perseverance and tribulation. So if people are avoiding tribulation and denying challenges, they are not producing the perseverance and the character needed. We need character to know that we're not always going to succeed. And yet we must be willing to make the effort to begin anyways. Because if we avoid trying things because we're so afraid of failing, what does that do for us? It never expands our minds, our hearts, our courage, and our faith. Without perseverance through difficult times, we do not develop character. But also, many great things don't get done because we're not willing to risk failing. We need to be able to risk something to gain anything. Think about your willingness to witness to others and to share Jesus with people whom God puts on your heart. If you become afraid that someone might reject your message and if you count this as failure, will you still obey Jesus and share his gospel anyways? Or will you sacrifice your perseverance and fail to develop godly character and just say, that's the job of the pastor or that's the job of the evangelist to share Christ with others? Listen, this happens too many times with too many people who call themselves Christians. They love their lives and their reputation and their standing with others and their comfort too much to sacrifice it for the one who sacrificed everything for us. If we're afraid that we might offend people and it might hurt our reputation, 
then we actually disobey Jesus. And we do not share the gospel and we do not stand on the truth of his word. You've heard me say this before. When we share Jesus with others, we share the truth of the Bible, it will offend people. It has to offend them or else they will not change. It has to offend our, our nature, our sinful nature, to realize that I can't continue to do it on my own. I have to trust in Jesus. If you think about it, that's the problem with the human race right now. Too many people try to avoid anything that comes against them. And yet this is not a new problem. Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. What was Jesus doing here? In black and white, he was explaining to his disciples exactly what tribulation and what trials await him and them. He's trying to prepare them for the adversity that will come. Adversity that will produce perseverance and character. And notice how one of them responds. Verse 22. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. You see, what Peter is doing here is the same thing that we are all tempted to do. Peter tries to rescue Jesus from this ordained tribulation that was needed to execute God's perfect will. But look at the next verse. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but rather the things of men. What God wants us to see is that it wasn't Peter coming against this ordained tribulation but rather it was Satan working through Peter's fears and through his doubts and pride. Peter wanted to stay in control, like our flesh always wants us to feel like we stay in control. Peter wanted to feel safe and secure. And as soon as his control was threatened, his fear opened the door for the enemy to speak through him and reject the will of God. What we learn from this is that it, it is Satan who tries to prevent us from going through tribulation that we might gain perseverance, that we might develop character, and that we might hold on to hope and faith through the Holy Spirit to believe that Jesus will be with us through it all. It's Satan himself who wants us to quit. Remember when he came to Jesus in the garden, he wanted him to quit. He tempted him to quit. He said it's too much. Jesus didn't listen to Satan. Neither are we to do. That's why the Bible says in the end times there will be what's known as the great apostasy. People quitting their faith. People walking away from Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Consciences will be seared when people fail to listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When they say things like, the Bible's outdated, it needs to be changed. When they no longer see sin as a destructive force, but rather as each person's own right to pursue happiness however they want. 
Now we know that people in the world have always pursued sin. But this great apostasy means that great numbers of those who identify as Christians will leave the foundational teachings of God and literally quit their commitment to follow Him, to follow His Word and to follow His will. And know this, that the Bible also rightly declares that Jesus will not return until after this great apostasy takes place. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day Jesus returns. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Here we see that this falling away, the time of so many people quitting and walking away from Jesus, will be one of the last things to happen before the coming of Jesus. And we also see that this apostasy is linked to the man of sin, the son of perdition the Antichrist. What does all this mean? It means that the enemy of our souls knows that submission to God through tribulation produces perseverance, which leads to godly character, resulting in everlasting hope. Guess who it is that doesn't want you to have any hope? Guess who doesn't want you to believe in Jesus and walk in the same mountain-moving faith that defeated death hell in the grave at Calvary many years ago. That's right. Satan does not want anyone to hope and trust in Jesus. And we all know that. But what we don't realize and what we haven't connected before is how the avoidance of trials and the avoidance of tribulation is the result of the enemy working through pride and fear and doubt and ignorance to destroy the body of Christ. So the devil continues to convince us that we should fear trials and tribulation so much so that we should avoid them. Look at what's going around right now. People are afraid of someone with a different opinion. They destroy them verbally and slander them emotionally, calling for them to be fired and arrested and persecuted. This is the work of the enemy. Do you remember back when your early days of school? I do. When there used to be a debate club, they actually taught you how to debate. They encouraged you to debate. Remember those days? Does it seem foreign now? People learned how to substantiate or argue their point in respectful ways. But now the enemy has influenced so many people to avoid problems and to avoid difficult things and to avoid opposition. So now the way to handle opposition is to slander somebody, to cut them down to bring false accusations against them and to speak evil against them and call them names. This is not only the work of Satan. It is a deliberate attack against the kingdom of God in the earth today. It is a deliberate attack against the necessity of God-ordained tribulation to produce a hunger in us for more of Jesus. The more that we are pushed down, the more we cry out for Jesus. God prepares us to go through tribulation because in tribulation is where we find Jesus. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Through every shadow of death and adversity, God is with us and will continue to comfort us if we trust Him through the valley. 
Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. We see the Lord's promises again and again. And His promises are that we will indeed go through the waters. We will indeed go through the fire. But we will be protected and delivered by Christ. When we put our trust in Jesus, our eternity is secured because of our hope in Him. Now, hope does not disappoint. Romans 5, verse 5. Hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The Holy Spirit. God's indwelling presence in us, our hope. He is our down payment for the full inheritance that we will one day walk in completely as we bask in His presence for all eternity. Through every trial, through every tribulation, He is the one who develops perseverance in us. He is the one that turns our perseverance into godly character. Even when the enemy is telling you to quit and to walk away because it's too hard or it's too difficult or it's unfair, he is the one that says, press on. Come to the cross where there's freedom. He is the one who is that hope bubbling up on the inside of us like a fountain overflowing into everything we do. He is the one who helps us realize that God ordains our trials so that we can become complete in him. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.